Hi, I'm Brittany Hoffman. And I'm Madeline Phipps. Welcome to Shifting Ears. This is the Valley Metro internal podcast talking all things transit, transportation, and everything you need to know about the agency behind the scenes and some upfront stuff you may not know about. Hey, Maddie. Hey, Brittany. Can you name some of the jobs that are included when building a light rail project or extension? Okay, well, I know we have a lot of engineers. We also have a lot of track installation, demolition, a lot of electrical work with our overhead catenary system. These are the very non-technical terms that I'm using right now, but a lot of different specialties go into building a light rail extension for sure. Did you know we also have archaeologists that work on our projects? What? No way. Yes. When I think archaeologists, I'm thinking dinosaur bones. But that's not happening here in the valley. We have so much history and civilization underneath the pavement. So when we go to do these construction projects, we find all these amazing artifacts. Isn't that crazy? That is. I mean, we basically have Indiana Jones helping us build our light rail system here, right? (laughs) Yes. And unfortunately, he's not with us, but we do appreciate all of the archaeologists that have been with us. So that's a cool, interesting fact. But what do they do with the artifacts after? Where do they go? How are they kept? I don't know. So we brought in the subject matter expert to tell us. My name is Robert Forrest. I've been with Valley Metro now for a little more than 14 years. My current title is Deputy Director over Capital Planning. So we are here talking with you today because we want to understand more about the historical process and what happens when artifacts are discovered when we're building a light rail project. So could you tell us when do you actually begin searching for artifacts during a construction project? Well, it kind of starts back earlier than that. So when we are going through the planning phases of, of a project, you know, basically when we're doing preliminary engineering, we start our NEPA process. That's our National Environmental Policy Act process of looking at everything and trying to go through that process. We identify at that point, are there any archaeological sites or are there any historic resources that are within our area of potential effect for our project? So it kind of starts there. We don't do any digging We do digging through documents within certain libraries that has SHPO has and other agencies have. So that's where it kind of begins. We look there, we identify what kind of archaeological sites. The first step is you do a database search, you identify the sites that are known out there. You do your Section 106 consultation, which is part of the National Historic Preservation Act. You have to go through that consultation process with a number of interested parties as well as the Native American tribes. You identify what archaeological sites you have or historic resources. You assess what the impacts are going to be. If you have an archaeological site, for an example, like our South Central project, we have an archaeological site. actually have two sites down there. Then you go through and you identify or if you have adverse effects. If you've identified you're going to have adverse effects, you have to write a memorandum of agreement between Valley Metro, the FTA, the city of Phoenix, or the city that project is in, and then also include the Native American tribes or any other entities. Like in South Central, we had to include the ADOT, Arizona Department of Transportation, Salt River Project, and the Bureau of Reclamation. Once you've completed that, then you have to write a historic properties treatment plan, which then identifies how you are going to do your 
monitoring of the construction activities. How are you going to do your, what they call data testing, which is in this case, you dig in a series of trenches within the archeological site, try to identify what you might have. And then you go through and do data recovery. That's where you identify the artifacts and actually recover those. You said you got through the easy part. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my goodness, there was so much backend work that has to start from the very, very beginning of each project. And you just mentioned South Central. How common is it for us to locate artifacts as we're going through the different construction projects? It just depends on where the project is located. The center part of the valley here, we're kind of where the center of Phoenix is, the downtown area to the south towards the Salt River. You tend to find a lot more archaeological sites. The Hohokam, who were living here from about 750 to 1450 AD, they occupied this area for a little bit more than about a thousand years. They concentrated in around the river system and they built a number of canals. So their villages kind of stretched out all up and down the Salt River and the Gila River Valley. So when you're in those areas, it's going to be pretty common to find archaeological sites. I mentioned the Central Phoenix East Valley Project out at Pueblo Grande over where the uh, Tempe Transit Center is. Those were some major archaeological sites. The Tempe Butte is also an archaeological site. It's actually a, a traditional cultural place for the Native American tribes. There's a large archaeological site there. And then for our capital extension project, we also have another archaeological site. So they are fairly common in the main part of the valley here. So I think you mentioned this a little bit, but is there a main time period that most of these items are from? So yeah, so what we're finding right now with all the artifacts that we're finding, and these are all dating back to the Hohokam period, which is at 750 to 1450 AD, so quite a while ago. You know, in addition to the artifacts, whether it's a pottery shard or an axe head or an arrowhead or some kind of pots, you know, or matatas, the items that they use to grind their corn and other items with, we have also found burials in a number of our locations. You know, the CPEV project had uncovered a few hundred burials. For the South Central project, we have uncovered, I believe, 16 different burials. So, yes, quite old. And in some cases, we're finding what we call a pit house, which is the house that these individuals had lived in. In some cases, you're finding burials with inside those houses. And in some cases, there's houses on top of houses from... If you can imagine them having occupied this area for about a thousand years, there might be cases where you do have pit houses on top of other houses because of the differences in the time periods and when people actually kind of moved through the area, occupying it and not, not occupying it for a short while, then coming back and occupying it again. So you rattled off just a few of the items that you found during construction periods. What's the most unique item that's been identified? There's a couple of different ones. I remember when I first started here and we were working on the Central Phoenix East Valley project. I come in at the tail end of it. The archaeologists had found in some of the burials some unique copper bells. They were, I believe, situated with an infant or a young lady, if I recall correctly. And that was very significant. So that kind of tells us that the, this individual was a very prominent member of that community at that time, a high-ranking individual, if you will. So a very interesting and very unique copper bell. We have to remember that 
you know, we kind of think these individuals are very primitive, but they had routes, they had markets, they went back and forth between here and the West Coast, and they traded and they they did various things and they brought back different unique features like shells. So shells that were carved out into little figurines, little frogs or whatnot. So that's very interesting and very eye-opening for me when I first started here. On the South Central project, I'd have to say that one of the more interesting ones was that we had uncovered what we called a kiln, which was a very big pit, basically. We could have used it as a big roasting pit where they kept fires going all the time where they were cooking food, or they used it as an actual kiln where they were curing their pots and their ceramics that they were using at that time. So that was a very interesting feature. You mentioned that there, you know, this agreement is made between a lot of different major agencies or parties. Mm-hmm. Are there any like specific differences when there's an agreement between, say, the city of Phoenix versus the city of Mesa, like when we were building CPEV? You're right. A typical memorandum of agreement that kind of walks through how the agencies are going to, what are they going to do? So it tells out who is responsible for doing what. So in our case, it's going to spell out that Valley Metro is going to be responsible for doing various aspects. And and one of those aspects is going to be developing a historic properties treatment plan. What are we going to do with the artifacts? How are we going to go through the process? What does it look like? So that kind of sets the stage. So it's a very high level document. And that'll be probably about, you know, a document that's only about 10 or 12 pages. What it does, it gives everybody an opportunity to kind of weigh in on how we're going to evaluate this particular archaeological site. What are we going to go through? How are we going to look at it? What kind of research questions we might be asking? What are we going to do with the artifacts that we find? The meat of all that is going to be in that couple hundred page historic properties treatment plan where you really dive into providing a lot of history about the area, about the people that occupied this area. It lists all the research questions again, and it lays out exactly how are you going to go do your data testing. So what size trenches are you going to dig? What's the width of those? How deep are they going to go? How many are you going to do? Where are they going to be located at? How are you going to collect them? What are you going to do with those items? How are you going to deal with any burials that you might find? How are you going to get the Native American tribes involved? What happens when you do find a burial? How often do you want to meet with the different Native American communities as you're going through this process? So it kind of lays out, you know, in these documents, the MOA had taken us several months to prepare and to get through a process and get through everybody's review process. And the Historic Properties Treatment Plan was another several months to get through that process. There's a lot of people that are very interested in in seeing what we're finding or or wanting to be a part of that process. And a a lot of checks and balances to make sure that we're doing our due diligence and we're not doing things inappropriately or or doing things in the wrong fashion. So this giant document is really your game plan. That's your go-to for any ins and outs of the project. And so I'm guessing it kind of outlines also where the artifacts go in that process of who gets them after this is all said and done, right? That is correct. And the unique situation that we have for our South Central project is that we have a couple of different things going on. So we have property that would be considered the city's property or state property, basically. Any artifacts, meaning any pottery shards, arrowheads, things of that nature that are collected and cataloged, all go to the Pueblo Grande Museum, which is also in the city of Phoenix. So all those items get archived. They go to there. We have to pay a fee for them to take those artifacts. And some of those artifacts, they may display those in their showcases. 
at Pueblo Grande and others might be just cataloged for later usage. On South Central, we also have what we call a USA fee land. This land is actually owned by the Bureau of Reclamation. So the Bureau of Reclamation has some different requirements of where artifacts that are found on their land, where does that go? So at one point, their artifacts were housed at Arizona State University. They have since changed, and I haven't heard yet where their destination is. Then you also have private property that we're having to do some work on. So like a third-party utilities, you know, like a, a gas line that might be connecting to somebody's private property. Any artifacts that are found on their property actually belongs to the property owner themselves. So we have to try to coordinate with the property owners, not the individuals who are renting the property, but the owners themselves to either request or let them know what their rights are, but then also request them to donate the items back to Valley Metro so we can use those as a part of our overall collection. If they don't, then we just simply turn over the artifacts to the property owners. So again, it's going to be a unique situation depending on the land ownership that you're working on. Speaking of interesting artifacts, obviously we've had a lot of different historic things come to light during this process, but we heard that there were trolley tracks found at some point during the development of CPEV. Can you talk a little bit about that? I'm not quite sure about the CPEV project, but for the South Central project, and in fact, in the downtown area, just outside of our offices, we did find quite a bit of old trolley track. That trolley track belonged to the Phoenix Street Railway that was actually established back in 1887. It was pulled or drawn by horses back at that point. In 1895, they started the transition. They had some trolley cars that were actually powered by electricity and then some that were still drawn by horses. By 1905, it was completely electric. And then it ran from 1905 and it ended in about 1948 when a fire had destroyed most of the trolley cars. At that time, it was decided to not replace the trolley cars, but just go and replace them with buses. So I think as you can see, all of us work for a transit agency. You kind of see back in the 1800s, we had trolley cars switched over to buses. And now here we are kind of going back to trolleys, if you will. It's it's a railway, basically. But very interesting, you know, a lot of it ran down Washington from downtown, basically, to the state capitol. You had some other north-south lines that went up Fifth Avenue, went up at Third Avenue. It branched out quite a bit. So what they did, instead of kind of coming through and then digging up all the the track, and it was probably quite an endeavor to do that, at Phoenix at some point just decided to go in and, and then redo the roadways and then put the new roadway over the top of the existing track. So we have found quite a bit of track downtown. It is historic, obviously, and each time we find a piece of the track, we have to have an archaeologist come out and take pictures, document it. There have been a number of requests for pieces of that rail. So we have provided some to the Phoenix Trolley Museum, and I believe we're going to be providing some to the Arizona Railway Museum. And this won't be the end as we embark in our next future project, which is the Capital Extension Project that's going to extend the rail from downtown over the state capitol. There are some more areas along Washington Street that still have the rail underneath the roadway. So we'll be uncovering some more as we continue advancing our program. That's amazing to not only see the evolution of transportation in the valley, but know that we are kind of following in their footsteps, leaving a little greener footprint with electricity. 
Overall, how does this whole process of uncovering artifacts impact a project timeline? I think it's going to depend on how you sequence everything. Ideally, it really should not impact your overall project timeline. Again, I think it's going to depend on the circumstances. Generally, when you go through and you complete your environmental review process, that's whether it's an environmental assessment like we did for South Central or our environmental impact statement we did for the CPEV project. The goal is to then shortly afterwards finish up your MOA, your historic properties treatment plan, and then you get into doing your data recovery our data testing, and then your data recovery. If you do it in in that sequence, if you get all that taken care of in advance of the construction activities, then it really shouldn't impact your construction schedule. Well, it certainly sounds very thorough and like a lot of work in preparation. So granted that we've now done this for like CPEV, a couple extensions, now we have some underway. Do you have any sense of a ballpark figure of how many artifacts have been recovered in the process of building our light rail system? I can tell you right now for the South Central project, we have recovered more than 82,000 artifacts. Those are little pieces of pottery or pots or, or vessels. We have 136 features, which means those are a combination of pit houses or a roasting pit or some configuration in that aspect. For the Central Phoenix East Valley project, I didn't get a chance to go back and look, but we were probably well over 100,000, probably close to a couple hundred thousand artifacts that we had collected. Matter of fact, we've collected so many on that project that it took us about two years to do the analysis and write the final report for that. For the South Central project, we're at Like I said, a little over 82,000 artifacts, that's probably going to take us a good year to go through and do the analysis and write up those reports. Our project will be finished and ready to go into operations, I believe, in late 2025, if I'm not mistaken, and our report will probably be done about that same time. So wow. a lot of a lot of <laughs> a lot of preparations up front. I mean, that's what people don't understand is that there's a lot that goes into these documents up front and then a lot that goes through doing the actual work on the ground. And once the work on the ground is done, then the work in the lab begins. So looking at eighty-two thousand artifacts, you have to look at those very closely, look at the markings that are on on the pieces, the color of the ink that's on those pieces to try to see where they exactly they came from, how they were used, what significance they are, and understanding more about how the Hohokam lived at this particular village during that time period. We are definitely keeping archaeologists in business with our <laughs> construction projects. No, we are. There is, I think, at the height for the South Central project, I think we had about 20 to 22 people out in the field at any one time, full-time. Wow. And just also to put this into context, too, this isn't necessarily a process that's unique to building a light rail project. It really has more to do with the fact that where Phoenix is located is on all of these historic sites where there have been ancient civilizations present. And so would like any type of building project have to do this type of work as well? Yes. As a matter of fact, there's a project not too far from downtown east of us that I visited here several months ago that used to be a low-income housing. They tore the houses down. They're going to put some new housing up, some new affordable housing. And that was also 
a major Hohokam village where they actually found much more than what we were able to find. So I believe they found some significant village there with a very large number of burials at that particular location. Not too far off of our alignment within Pueblo. So our site is called Pueblo Viejo. That's the archaeological site. And there has been other projects, whether those are building projects or you know, either roadway projects that maybe the city of Phoenix is doing or ADOT is doing. They found some, some additional artifacts and burials. So the process, it's a little different. When you have a federal project, you know, obviously there are certain requirements that you have to go through. And then, of course, if you're within the side of the city of Phoenix or a city that has their own historic preservation office, they also have certain requirements to go through. So anybody who's doing these projects have to go through and comply with the National Historic Preservation Act. So yes, that's going to affect just about everybody that's out there, except for the private individuals, right? They could do certain things that on their properties that aren't subject to the same requirements. But yes, everybody has to go through that process, and it could be a pretty lengthy and costly process. It's not a very inexpensive endeavor. Thank you so much to our guest, Robert Forrest. I certainly learned a lot interviewing him, and it's going to make me think twice the next time I'm walking around near one of our project sites be curious what's actually under my feet. Well, and Maddie, it'll be interesting to see what pops up when capital extension happens, because if we're already finding so much in South Central, we know there's more to come. So that brings us to this episode's trivia question. What does that mean, Brittany? It's time for prizes, 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 my favorite prizes. (laughs) So the question for this episode is, How many artifacts have been found on the South Central Extension? You have one week to send in your answer to be entered for the prize. So if you know the answer to this week's question, send us an email to podcast at valleymetro.org. And of course, if you have any podcast episodes that you want to hear, things about the agency, jobs, what's going on, you let us know. Email us at podcast at valleymetro.org. For Valley Metro, I'm Madeline. I'm Brittany. Thanks for riding with us. We'll meet you at the next stop. Shifting Ears is produced by Peter Corkery and Alex Sotsos. Taylor Dunn is the executive producer. I'm Madeline Phipps with Brittany Hoffman. Thanks for listening. <laughs>